Coming to you live. Live. Not really live. Pre-recorded. Recording here on a Monday, post-British Open. But we've got other stuff to talk about. Chris had a hell of a run at the Mass Am this week. Started on Monday. Home course, Brayburn. Set the scene for us. So, tournament starts Monday. I did we I we might have done an episode Monday. Oh you know yeah, we had the rain. It got rain rained delay. out. Yep. Whole day it was a wash. Um we got like so, nine inches of rain in three days. Crazy rain witch, yeah. So tournament, state am uh at Brayburn, which is my home course, our home course. And so anyways, Tuesday morning, tournament starts. Um I shoot a good round. I finished at one under, um, had a good stretch on the back, went eagle, birdie, birdie, and finished, you know, it's a solid day, and put myself in position. Yeah, you and were like top 15, right? Top 20 after the first day? I, I think I was T7 after oh, okay. day one. Um, and so, feeling good, and so I come out day two, I have an afternoon tea time. And right as I'm teeing off on 10, I see finishing up on 9, Michael Thor Bjornsson, and he makes a putt to shoot 64, which ties the course record. In case you don't know who Michael Thor Bjornsson is, he should be on your radar. Everyone knows who Thor Bjornsson is. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, I mean, come on. Um, U.S. Junior. When did he win it? 2018 U.S. Junior champ. Yeah, 2018 U.S. Junior. Plays at Stanford. Kids basically just an made the cut stud. at the U.S. Open at Pebble. Yeah, total stud. So I see him shoot sixty four, and I'm about to tee off. That's so daunting to get, <laughs> just see him shoot sixty four, and like, yeah, I just gotta. I'm like shit. I like, just gotta go post a number. <laughs> like, what you did? You, but, you 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 were you were right there. Like you could have done it. You could have done sixty four. Yeah, I put right myself there. in the in the position. So I think I was two under. On my front side, which is the back nine, make the turn, make a couple pars. I birdied three, and then I eagled five. I hit one of the best three irons of my life. Hooked it around the trees to like eight feet. Made eagle. Weren't you trying to lay up on that shot? You said. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's kind of. I wouldn't call it a layup. I wouldn't call it going a, for it. Get it down just, there as far as you can. There was some overhanging tree. Like I wanted to lay up. Cause in the stroke, you're just trying to make top thirty-two. And like, at you this don't really point, care you're, where your seat you're is. probably like tied for fourth. Like you know you're in the top thirty-two, so you don't need to do anything special. Yeah, I think I was like five under for the tournament at yeah. that point or something. Yeah. So, or maybe four under for the tournament, and I knew like two over would get in, and I had four holes left. So I knew I was like in, um, but still like whatever lay up. You can still make birdie. There were overhanging trees. So I hit a three iron because I could hit it hard and know that it wouldn't hit the trees. And I knew this thing was going to draw. And it had to get around the corner because I was on the left side of the fairway and the hole turns left. So I was like, yeah, I'll just hit it up there and it'll be 20 yards short or whatever. And I'll chip it on and what, you know, move on. And I just hit the thing so good. 
and it when it was in the air it like kind of started hooking with the wind and it landed in the perfect spot on the front of the green kind of deadened the blow trickled up there to like eight feet and then i rolled in the putt and it was that's when the fireworks start going off and you know all right i need a couple more yeah i so i had no idea what my score was like I was so just playing. Deep. You were you were deep in the process. You could say I was I was on a different planet. Like yeah. I was just playing. I was just hitting the shots, and I was like, kind of, I was like, oh, I made bur-, you know, I buried through. You know, it's like yeah, but I didn't really know. Head, you're like trying but to. I didn't really going, know. Yeah. I was like, I knew I was, I knew I was really low, which is a great thing when you're not thinking about score. And then I birdied six, so I think that got me to six under on the day. Yeah. So I would that's where t- I met you. I, I come out, I'm coming in after PT. I had like two PT sessions that day. Wanted to come out and watch the end of your round. And I see you in the situation you were in on seven. Yeah. So I, I would have needed two birdies in the last three holes. And seven is a hole that's either a soft driver, like a choke up, kind of just lay one out there or hybrid and the wind was a little into so i didn't want to hit hybrid and have like six iron in i was like you can't play defensive like that try to give yourself a short iron still like stay aggressive so i tried to go with the driver i had a lot of adrenaline going and i just your classic double cross it hits the overhanging branch kicks left and it goes on to the 17th green, which is like, <laughs> I've never been that far left on this hole. And I've played this course every day, right? I've never been this far left. So now I'm like taking the drop off the 17th green. And <laughs> I, when I walked out there, I thought I fucked up and I didn't see the, the scoreboard correctly. I was looking at online scoring and it said Chris was through his what 16th hole yeah or 15th hole 15 yeah which but you started off the off the back which i knew but i was like wait why the fuck is he on 17 green if he started on the back <laughs> and he's through 16 holes it turns out you that was your tee shot on seven yeah it was insane <laughs> so anyways i lay up i have like a perfect number in from the fairway hitting my third hit it on i th- came i'm up not short, sure where right? it landed I don't know if it you saw where it landed. I was up by the green. It landed on. Just hit a wall of wind. Like, no, it landed literally started on. moving backwards. It might have landed on. It and landed it and it back. ripped off. And there's like a little false run or whatever. Rolled all the way back. And then didn't get up and down. So I make double. But you're still, what, four and under? And then the I go par, under? par. Yeah, you were five and, under. Then. And finished at five under, which, which was, was the four seed in the match play hell of a show and then which like already i was so happy about like or i was t tie third but i was the four seed four seed yeah so i was still like super happy like only two people beat me in the stroke play and one of them tied the course record that day and the other one almost tied the course record the day before right so they i mean those guys were just red hot i mean you played with a lot of expectations, you know, you, home course, everyone expects you to do well. You played really well. And yeah, then, I couldn't have asked for a better stroke play, 
And then come out for the match play. What was it Wednesday, Thursday morning? Thursday morning, yeah. Thursday morning. And I had made match play the previous three years. So this is my fourth year in a row making match play, but I had never won a match. So I was like really... I felt like almost the most pressure in that first match because I was like, I have to win this match. And I played really well. Um, Turning point was on 11. I was like three up or something. I had a comfortable lead. And 11's a tough par four. He hit it to like 15 feet. And I missed the green, short side of myself in the rough. So it looks like he's going to win a hole, get it back to two, then it starts getting dicey. Instead, he missed his putt, and I chipped in, and I got to four Huge up. Mongolian. Huge Mongolian. Massive Mongolian reverse. And then I won 12, and then and then it was over. Yeah. It was over and on 13. And the Berlin Wall started to collapse. <laughs> <laughs> so I got the first win, felt great about it. And then, which is huge, <laughs> all everything after that point is is now gravy, right? To you. Exactly, exactly. And I'm that's, just feeling that's great about dangerous. It. You're feeling dangerous because the monkey's off your back, right? And I was swinging really good. Um, afternoon match. I was playing this kid. He was younger than me. He had just come off like a 18 or 19 hole match. And so he had grinded one out. I had been in the clubhouse for a while because I teed off before him and my match ended on 13. So I like had lunch. I was rested to go. You know, he maybe had 20 minutes from when he finished his match. Which is tough. I mean, which is tough after you're grinding competitive golf. He was playing a really, really good player in the morning and he ended up beating him, which is a huge accomplishment. But then you got to go out and play a kid who's. I mean, this is your home track. You're playing really well. It's not setting up well for him. And I was so fortunate to have, like, all my buddies come out and watch and and family and friends and all the members. And everyone was coming out and cheering me on. And, like, having that kind of, like, group with you, I think, rattled the other guy a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because he was feeling like... He was the enemy. And it's and, not like we were disrespectful. Oh, not at all. But there was a clear support right. for for you. Right. I mean, it's a lonely feeling when there's, you know, whatever, 30 people watching a match and you know that nobody's rooting for you. Yeah. You Except for maybe to, your dad. Yeah. Which I, th- it, I think he was caddying for him. I, I was talking to his his aunt who was who was watching, and she was like, "Can you guys just cheer him on like a little bit? Like I feel bad." Did she actually say that? <laughs> yeah, she was she was half kidding because we were we were you know clapping at his good shots and and stuff like that. But it's got to be tough. But I think you just have to take the mindset of like I'm just gonna come in and spoil just a the party P. Reed mindset. Yeah, you got to come in and spoil a party. Yeah, and that's not what and, happened though for him. It's not what happened. Um, it was kind of a similar style match. I made a lot of pars and threw in a couple birdies and didn't make mistakes. He made some key mistakes where you can't miss it, short side of himself, whatever, and ended up winning that one six and four. So I get through the first day. You and only played like 28 holes of golf, too, right? You're well rested after the first day. Yeah. 27 holes. 27 holes. Which is which is great. Which is a round and, and a half great. instead of two rounds. Yeah. So I saved myself nine holes. And 
so yeah, so into the quarterfinals, like, okay, you know, we're moving along. And morning match on Friday, I play a kid who, Sean, you know a little bit, don't you? I've, or, I've met him a couple times just through through junior golf and stuff like that, but I yeah. don't really know. But he's buddies with some of our buddies. So. Yeah, so, I mean, fellow D3 competitor, yeah. which you got to love. Always feels, it feels at home to compete against someone who's in the same boat as you. Like, you know, there's almost right. an underdog there's, mentality for both is. you guys. Like, totally. you, know, you know you have the game to be there, but other people don't think you do. Right. Which is cool. Which is great. He couldn't have been a nicer kid. Um, absolute pillow fight on the front. We were making bogeys. Yeah, it was and, tough to watch. Dying holes with bogeys and stuff. And um, it was not. It was not fun for a while. And then we got to the back, and then there was some good golf. We both birdied ten. I think he might have birdied birdied or part eleven. He won, and then he birdied twelve. And then we both birdied 13, and I birdied 14, and then I won 15. He flubbed a shot, and I won 15. That was really the the turning point of the match there. Yeah, because he was one up through. He made birdie on 12. He got to one up, and then... You guys, I made an up and down on 13. Amazing up and down on 13 to to tie the hole when he had like 12 feet for eagle. Yeah, that's right. He had an eagle putt and I was short sided and he missed his putt and I got up and down to avoid being going two down with five to go. And then on 14, I had like a 15 footer for birdie and he had maybe a 10 footer and I made and he missed classic if i make it he misses but if i miss he makes yep and it's huge to to put the pressure on him and it was it was big and then he gifted me 15 yeah so i was one up which sets up a tough finishing stretch for him to try to gain a shot back right and i knew i'd just make par make you know just try to cruise it in hard holes to birdie the last three holes of break really hard holes to birdie um so i ended so i had like a Five foot tester on sixteen that I luckily made to stay one up. I mean, you poured that thing in the center. You didn't luckily make that. I had a great you, putt. You were you were making a lot of putts and you were making them with confidence. Yeah, like the I whole was, week. I felt, especially in that match, I felt really good with my putter. Yeah, more so than other days in the tournament. Um, because my ball striking was there the whole week. It was just the putting was either on or off. And that's when I got a little dicey with it was when my putter was off. But I'm one up with two to go. 17's like 260, just beast of a par three. Long par three, narrow green. Um, I squeak it onto the left fringe. I'm like 30 feet maybe. You hit a great shot. I almost, I thought you kind of got screwed ending up in the fringe. but Yeah, because there was a slope there. It could have kind of come down yeah. to me, you know, 25 feet, whatever. Um, happy with the shot. He hit it in the rough, and then he pitched it to like eight feet maybe. And so I knew like, well, I had a putt to win the match, but if I could just lag it up close, he would have to make his putt to extend. And I thought it was in when I hit it, and it burned the edge, but it went like five feet past. And then... He missed his putt, 
So then I have this five footer to get to the semifinals, and it's just a witch. Yeah. It's just an absolute witch. And I hit a great putt. And you had a big gallery watching that that putt because one of the matches had finished right in front of us on the green, and all those people watching that match stayed and watched your match. So we probably had like 60 or 70 people watching you finish up on, on 17 green. So yeah, would you say was, like the most pressure you've, you've probably oh, felt? Oh, on a golf on, shot. On a, on a golf shot? I, In my I would, life. I would say. For a, me, 100%. It would, it would be. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And that's a huge confidence boost. It's to, a huge confidence it. boost. That's great. Yeah. I like knew, I was like, I just, I knew this read and I know that you just don't want to go to 18. It's like, you just have to bury him here. Yeah. And so I was fortunate enough to make it. And then I'm in the cart getting shuttled back. And, you know, the guy says, you're playing Matt Parziali this afternoon. I was like, oh, shit, like, Parsi Halley. This is when it gets real. Because to be honest, I mean, you had some some good competitors in the first I had a good draw. But this is where it gets tough. I mean, you're in the semis now. You know you're going to get someone really, really good. And this is your first, like, really tough match. Yeah. And, I mean, I had, you know, I was the four seed, so I should have, by, you know, by the way it should be have an easier road but in this you never know because yeah. some of the best players don't play well in the stroke play and so i got a good draw that I didn't play any big names early on um but you know to be able like the opportunity to play parziali like a guy you know has played in the masters a guy's made the cut and majors um guy who's won the u.s for uh the u.s mid-am like and then you're just playing this guy on your home course like is like an insane feeling that like i'll never forget like playing this guy um and highlight of the day won the first hole one up through one (laughs) he missed a uh what was it like a seven or eight footer yeah you get off to i mean that's that's a good start yeah um so I was just trying to make it as close of a match as I could. I knew if it was close down to the end, who knows? Um, just try to put yourself in position. And I didn't make enough putts. He putted awesome. He made everything he needed to. I've got it back to... So I was two down through set or through eight. I was two down through eight. And then I won nine. So I got it back to one down through nine and hit a great drive on 10. And 10's his par five, and he hits it in the rough. So I'm feeling great. Like I'm making a push. And then his second shot from this nasty lie in the rough, and he hits the stick. At like holding speed almost. Like it wasn't going that fast. Yeah. It It was just a high, soft. And it hits the stick and it rolls out like 10 feet or whatever. And I hit the green. I also hit the green in two, but I had a poor lag putt. And then he should have made his eagle putt. It hung on the lip. lip, And so I actually had like a four footer to tie the hole and I missed it. And then I three putted 11 too. So I three putted 10 and 11 
really bad mistakes. You just can't make those mistakes. So I was three down and then had a chance to win 12, but he made like a 15-footer to tie the hole. That was insane. And that was a dagger. That was insane. That was a dagger. He he had this crazy shot on 12 where the pin was like on the left side of the green. He's in the fringe up against the collar, and there's this massive ridge in between him and the flagstick, basically. He decides, I mean, I think any reasonable person would have putted this. Oh, yeah. Not he a, pulls yeah. out a wedge without hesitation and he's throws taking up. He's huge swings. He's like. taking these massive swings, like these huge flop shot rehearsals. And I kid you not, it was like one of the most impressive shots I've seen in a tournament with one of the worst results. Yeah. He hits this like Insane. high nipper to the top of the collar on the other side of the green. It does a like complete 180 around this bowl and ends up to like 15 feet when he easily could have putted it down yeah. like a tap in if he hit a good putt but he hits this thing down to 15 feet it was completely unnecessary like an unbelievable was, shot yeah but unnecessary and then he, he makes the putt which at that point was was tough you knew he had control yeah totally. at that point totally um so he ended up winning four and three and that was it um he's you know for a guy who's like hat is almost like a celebrity in massachusetts for golf like he is he has the opportunity to kind of be an asshole and to have a huge ego and to kind of feed into this like popularity but he's like the most down-to-earth nice guy you could ever meet and like it was just such a pleasure like seeing that and and competing against him so definitely i mean like highlight of my golfing life to be able to play him and you know to make it to the semifinals um absolute thrill I yeah mean, and you were you were in the semis with like literally the three best players in massachusetts other than yourself i mean frank core chris frank core is a hell of a player michael thorbjornson who we talked about matt parziali so you i mean it was no fluke. You got there. You earned your way. I, I mean, you should be pretty proud of how you played. Yeah. couldn't. So. I mean, really couldn't be happier with how it worked out, especially because if I had won, if I had beat Parsi Alley, I would have played Thor Bjornsson in the finals. And let me just tell you something. In the final match, okay, it's so it's Parsi Alley against Thor Bjornsson. It's a 36-hole match. The match ends after 30 holes. So, like, okay, you know, it's a seven up victory. Parziali was nine under through 30 holes, and he was seven down. <laughs> he was nine <laughs> under through 30 and seven down, which is insane. Because nine under through 30 is on a far better pace than the medalist score. In the stroke play. Yeah. So he like he was playing better than anyone else had played that week, and he was seven down in the match. It, which is a joke. I honestly watching Parziali play you, it's hard for me to fathom that there's someone that's an amateur player in Massachusetts that is that much better than him. Because he hits it so long. Like he's as long as you. You guys hit it. We're neck and neck all day. So three twenty off the tee, 
He hits it unbelievably straight, and he's an unbelievable putter. And he got curb stomped in the finals. It's crazy. It's a joke. I really don't think there are many players in the world that would have beaten him that day. No. I, Actually, I, I like, agree. I agree. I mean, he shot 62, which beats the course record by two unofficially. And the then went round. five under. And was, yeah. And then was five under on his next 11 or 12 holes. Yeah. Just insane. And, and I mean, like, the course wasn't playing that hard. Um, it was really soft because of the the rain that we'd gotten but the rough was three and a half inches long and it was not a pitching putt like he made it look like it because of how long he hits it but it was just an unreal showing so he deserved to win probably better for you that you lost in the semis oh yeah didn't didn't get embarrassed in the finals parsi alley was nine under and he was seven down i would have lost like 15 down it would have been I would have been the Which guy hurts way more than losing in the semis. Yeah. Cuz you're the guy that lost. It's you become that guy. Yeah. You become like a meme almost. Yeah. You're like, "Oh, you're the guy that lost 16 down." Like imagine if you were even par, one under, two yeah. under. Like you would have lost like oh, yeah. legitimately oh, yeah. 10 plus down. He made 18 birdies in 30 holes. It's really insane. But I mean, great showing. He deserved to win, clearly. He's just the best player there. Um I got a I got a story from another from another event. I played I haven't told Chris this yet because I wanted to get his, his real reaction. So I had this What US, are you about to say right now? I had this USAM qualifier. For people that don't know, you have major wrist problems. Yeah, so I had wrist surgery in March, which I've probably said before. And it hasn't been necessarily smooth sailing since the recovery. I basically... A little so, ASMR for you. So disrespectful. <laughs> it's probably beer on the side of the mic. No, it's fine. Uh, so yeah, I had wrist surgery in March. The recovery went well. Uh, it was supposed to be a three-month recovery. By June 1st, I was feeling good. I had like three weeks of playing golf where I felt great. I played pretty well. Then I had like June 20th, started to not feel so great. Had some tendonitis in both sides of my left wrist, which is tough to play with. And I tried to manage it. And it's basically been an on and off battle of practicing, not practicing, playing, not playing. So I come into this week uh, I got a cortisone shot on Wednesday. I haven't played in a week. And I show up to this course in Maine for my USAM qualifier last night to play a practice round. I play so like incredibly dark. 11 or 12 holes. My wrist starts feeling pretty poor. And I call it quits. I walk the rest of the golf course. I get a feel for it. And I go in thinking, okay. I, and I talked to my parents about this. And we kind of came up with a plan. I'm going to go out tomorrow, I'm going to play, and if at any point my wrist really bothers me, like to the point where I feel like it's affecting my game, I'm going to go in, or if at any point I feel like I'm out of it and have no chance of qualifying, I'm going to go in right. to not you have two outs. endanger my wrist yeah. and not do anything stupid. So I have two so, outs going I mean, into this thing. I mean, it's the ultimate freewheel. Yeah, it's a total freewheel. It's like... You know, I go out and I play well, so be it. That's awesome. But if I go out and I play badly, well, I haven't played in a week and 
I have a wrist injury, so I'll withdraw. Um, I show up this morning, like 40 minutes before my tea time. First of all, I wake up at like 4.30 to get to my tea time at 7. My tea insane, time insane. is like, you know, 7.30, 7.40 in the morning in Maine, which is an hour and a half away. So I get there 40 minutes early. You drove an hour and a half for you to play 12 holes your practice run and then drove back? Yeah. And then drove the next morning. Yeah, and then drove the next morning. So I show That's up. That's a joke. Okay, you show hey, up. I mean, I felt like I needed to earn an edge somewhere. Okay, you, you know? show up. You show up. Do you hit balls? I hit enough balls to get loose. Like enough balls to feel like, all right, I'm not. My okay. mobility's not restricted. And then okay. I go over to the putting green. I'm putting around. I left my phone in my car because I didn't want. I didn't want to like be looking at it. I just didn't want it out there. So I left my phone in my car, figuring there'd be a clock or something at the putting green or on the first tee. So I'm putting around, and I've been putting for a while at this point. And the the way that the the tee times were laid out online was a little confusing. It this says, is insanely dark where you're going with this story. So it says, and keep in mind, the first tee and the tenth tee are right next to the putting green. Like, they're right there. The tenth the tee is, like, a little further away. So you think they'd call your name? So I think they'd call my name, okay. right? That's my assumption. Like, they're right there. They can literally just okay. say, hey, Sean Fitzgerald over there. So I'm putting around, and the way the tee times are laid out, it's, like, a little bit confusing. Um, it's... It said 7.30 and hole number one next to it. And then below it, it didn't have a time and it didn't have a hole number, like a start number. So I just assumed it was missing something and I was going off 7.40 because I didn't, I didn't really take a look at it. So I assumed I was going off at 7.40. So I feel like it's like about time and I see the first group go off. I know they're 7:30. So I see them getting onto the tee. So I start to walk over after they're like basically kind of like teeing off and getting ready. And I walk down to the 10th tee and this guy the starter goes to me, "Are you Sean Fitzgerald?" And I go, "Yeah." He goes, "You're it turns 7:30." Like you're you're late, and I'm like, what? And he was like, yeah, it was it was about thirty seconds ago, seven thirty. It was about thirty seconds ago, so you're thirty seconds late. And okay, I'm like, okay, so like, can I tee off? He's like, well, there's gonna be a two stroke penalty. So I'm like, so you were the seven thirty time? Yeah, I was the seven thirty time. And group already I went off. I assumed the group was on the tee, not had not teed off yet. The first hole had teed oh, off okay. right next to them. Okay, got it, got it, got it. So this group hasn't teed off yet. They're kind of like going through like switching scorecards and stuff still. But I'm late because the time is it like they were supposed to tee off yep. 30 seconds ago. <clears throat> and basically, yeah, he goes, there's going to be a two-stroke penalty. You can still tee off. And I'm like, okay, so I'm I'm already sitting here two over, and I haven't hit a shot. And it's USAM qualifying. And it's USAM qualifying. <laughs> I looked at the scores. Which you just you in USAM qualifying, you can't throw away a quarter of a shot. No, <laughs> you can't. You can't. <laughs> and keep in mind, yeah. So I thought I was at 7:40, which is why I showed up. I th- I'm I'm right. thinking I'm on time. Right. And you think you're early. 
I yeah, I'm thinking I'm early. Exactly. So I yeah, that's why I showed up like 30 seconds late. And so yeah, I'm I'm behind the eight ball already. I know I'm two over, standing on the first tee, haven't hit a golf shot yet. And so I'm like, okay, I'm battling through this wrist injury right now. There's a chance I withdraw here. Like, what happens in the case I withdraw, like, on the golf course? And he goes, yeah, you just notify a score, give the guy his scorecard, and they'll figure out the scorecard situation. So I go, okay, I'm I'm just going to tee off. I pulled driver on a hole that I'd planned to hit hybrid off of because it was really tight, and I knew I needed to get the shots back. Like, I, I'm already two over. I have nothing to lose. Need to shoot six, seven under in this qualifier to get in <laughs> through 36 holes. And this hole, literally 35 yards between OB right and OB left. I pulled driver, had been hitting driver great, like the 12 holes before that I played in the practice round. And I just pumped this thing OB right. So I'm sitting on the first tee at four over, (laughs) effectively, if I make par on my second ball here. And I go, okay, Holy I'm going to get it. Talking I'm, about just throwing away shots before you started. And, uh, at, at that point, I literally contemplated. I was like, I might just be done here. Like, I might, like, not even play. And so I go, okay, I'm going to give myself one more chance. I play, hit a provisional, and I pumped this thing OB left. So now I'm standing no. on the um, seat, <laughs> basically hitting... <laughs> Hitting like I think what would be my seventh shot now because of the penalty and the two OB balls. And you're standing on the first tee and you're six shots behind anyone else that's even started. Yeah. And you can't do that in a USM qualifier. <laughs> the number to get in ended up being five hundred. So I go to this guy, okay, I'm done. Like that's it. Um I'm just not going to play. Like, I just give him my scorecard, and I go to my car, pack my clubs up, and I drove home. And I was back home from Maine, round trip, by 9 o'clock a.m. No. It was, <laughs> that it was is unbelievable. Insane. Yeah. It was unbelievable. I, You know, it, it, <laughs> it seems like a soft move, like not playing, but it just wasn't worth it for me to go out there and play 36 holes of golf when I'd played 12 holes the night before and felt like <laughs> so absolute good. shit. That's so I, such a good story. <laughs> that's my experience in the USAM qualifier. That's my first one. My first That's your debut. <laughs> you didn't step off the first tee box at six team. over. So, hey. <laughs> Hey, next year I only have room to grow, right? I can only you go up from get, there. If I get off the first tee, yeah, it's a mirror. That's all you got to do, right? Yeah. So I honestly, I'm not gonna lose sleep over it. I felt like it was the right move. I still feel like it was the right move. Um, maybe shouldn't have hit driver there, but <laughs> I knew if I hit driver there, I would have set up a really good birdie opportunity. And there's a short par three following that, and a par five after that. So I was like, I can literally start off with three birdies here and get to one under quickly and then you're fine and then i'm fine even getting to even would have been fine but uh just just a crazy so your first one went right first one went right and it was was it way gone yeah it was like 20 yards out and then the second one second one was like 
Second one, like I, it might have kicked back in. Like it wasn't that far left. Yeah. It was pretty far left, but but it was in. It was in. Definitively. And then, did you give? Did you have a moment where you were just like having the conversation with yourself? No, or were you just like right I after that instantly. You're, you're I was, done. I was like, I, I, I mean, I told myself if I get to like three or four over here, I'm just, I'm gonna leave because, because of my wrist, I just didn't want to do anything stupid. And at three or four over, you're not qualifying. So, at that point, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm done. I'm gonna be. Do you, were I'm the, what be were the other kids? Were they laughing? Were they- no, they weren't. They were. They like could not believe what was going on. Like I think they were like, dude, it well, happened so quickly. It probably rattled them yeah. so much. You have a kid who comes up, gets a two shot penalty, hits two ob, and leaves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I had a, like a short range <laughs> session on the first tee, and just decided that that was enough. But I, that is another insane. thing too. Like the kid that I was playing with uh, was a kid that played in the Mass Am. I kept seeing him around with a Texas bag. So oh, I, I saw him kid. with a Texas bag. Yeah. On the range, there were like there was a Kansas bag. Uh, this kid from Maine plays at Florida State. I saw a bunch of other random college bags, and then I looked at the leaderboard. Like people are coming in from like crazy places to play these these northern oh, yeah. qualifiers because they they think it's easier up here yeah so they'll literally fly in just for a qualifier and try to qualify for like it's an 80 man field for two spots like that's a crazy like, investment yeah. what to, are you doing there yeah. yeah yeah so i don't know i just i thought that was scummy by those guys i mean i think the texas kid is is somewhat of a mass kid because he well, he's playing in that mass and he's probably already in the area or whatever yeah but i mean like the, the kansas guy and like these canadian kids and uh, i don't know just rubs me the wrong way but uh yeah that's my stint that is in the USA. wild that's my stint in the us that is wild that's so much better of a story than if you just gone out and shot like three under yeah and didn't make it and right like that's it. me withdrawing is the exact same as like going out and placing third and in this qualifier and missing by one. And that's the thing with qualifiers. It's either you qualify well, or you be an alternate. But yeah, okay. So say I missed the alternate yeah. spot by one and yeah. I shot one under, two yeah. under, whatever it was. Uh, that's just what it comes down to. Qualifiers, you're either in or you're not, or you're an alternate. There's no in between. That's so fun. So I'm not in. <laughs> Say. <laughs> you didn't make it. I didn't make it. I was the so field, close. The field can relax now. Yeah, the field can relax. <laughs> All right. Should we get to the uh, the British Open? Uh, yeah. Well, so... I think we're like, what are we, 40 minutes in? Yeah, we're 38 minutes yeah, in. Yeah, but we'll what the is there to talk about? about? So... Yeah. With the with the Mass Am all week, I mean, it was basically Monday through Friday. And then I watched the final match on Saturday. So, I was out all week. And, like, even after the golf, like, you're so wiped, you're not you're doing not anything else. You're not going to go watch more golf. I was literally like, wasting yeah. years off my life, like, grinding. Like, <laughs> yeah. with every, like, with every inch of my body, just, like, willing the ball into the hole for, like, you know, 10 hours. And it's, like, you're just, you're dead after that. So... Watched about 20 minutes of coverage. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was busy prepping for my two shots in my USM <laughs> qualifier. <laughs> I ended up actually watching um, all of Sunday except for the last, like, three holes. I was grinding a FaceTime stream for my brother that he was just giving me live updates while I was on my way to Maine. That's insane. 
So I know what happened. I watched the whole final round. Didn't watch uh, some of the other stuff. I saw some highlights, but I mean, I think we start with Morikawa. We give him, we give him the respect. Give him the credit where credits due. Give him the respect. I mean, the two putts he made. What what was it? Fourteen and fifteen or yeah, fifteen so and sixteen. Fourteen. He makes that. Honestly, okay. On the par let, me, five. let me start by saying this: Royal St. George's. I had the hardest time knowing what numbers the holes were. Yeah. And I watched all day. It was day a hard course to get into. On Sunday. In like 20 minutes. And I watched. <laughs> <laughs> I really had a hard time feeling the course out in the 20 minutes. Uh, yeah. I mean, I so I watched all day on Sunday, and I watched a lot of highlights before that. A lot of, I mean, just coverage in and out whenever I could. And... To, yeah, to me, it just didn't. It didn't stick out. There were there was nothing like, there weren't things on each hole that stood out, marking it as oh yeah, that's the eighth hole or that's like the seventh hole. The only ones that stood out to me were fourteen was the par five. There was a long par three on the back that I think was like twelve or thirteen maybe. It was like two fifty, and then I think eight was the other par five. It was seven or eight, and. Those are the holes that stood out to me. Other than that, I don't really remember. I think 16 was a par 3, too. I mean, it's an England Lynx course. Like, well, it's a joke. I, no, I just think there weren't... What are you going to do? I don't like courses with two par 5s, first of all. Like, I think par 5s are the most memorable holes. Par 5s and, and, like, short par 3s. Yeah. So, having two par 5s doesn't help you. Like, right off the bat. Yeah. Didn't... You know, I usually remember those. So... There's a lot of like just kind of standard 450 par fours, a lot of like 400 par fours, and those will, those are the ones that get mixed up. You just yeah. don't remember those ones. So yeah, Morikawa on the final day, he basically just put on a ball striking clinic, and then when he hit bad shots, it was an unbelievable scramble to to make up for it on every time like. He was just chipping putt. By the back nine, by the time the back nine came around, there was no doubt in my mind that he was going to win that golf tournament. Like, he just seemed so in control. Yeah. You know, when he made a mistake, he didn't bite off too much. He he took the safe play. Like, there were a lot of chip shots where he was pitching uphill over a false front every single time he took his medicine. He left himself, like, 10, 15 feet past the hole. And he made him. He made him every yeah. time, which you know you need to do if you want to win. But he he took the smart plays where he had him. So I mean, yeah, it was just a clinic. the The shot that stands out to me from the day, uh, I think. So I I guess I do remember a par four. The eighth hole, he had like two hundred, and it was kind of downhill. The greens kind of like settled in this this fescue around it, and it's kind of almost like a bowl. He hits this, what I assume is a six or a seven iron, like this this little flighted cut. It lands like 30 feet short, and it rolls out to six feet, and he makes it for birdie. And that was just like, that's Colin Morikawa right there, is he has unbelievable control of his irons. So, I mean, what are you going to do? And Spieth's out there like... Not hacking, but he's in his usual but he's speed. He's making it like, interesting. Like he's all over the place. He's erratic. Yeah. Right? And he cut it to one, right? He cut it to one through like fourteen. Yeah. So there was a point at, on fourteen where Morikawa, Spieth birdie fourteen, Spieth birdie fourteen ahead of Morikawa. 
Morikawa leaves himself like the same pitch shot as Spieth had. Yeah. And he doesn't get it up over the hill. It rolls back. He's got like 22 feet probably. Which is, which are the toughest putts to make like up a tier. Up here. Yeah. Over a tier yeah. is really hard to make. Yeah. Which was like, I saw that. I was like, okay, par and Spieth's one back. Yeah. That's, that's what I thought. Nope. He pours it in. And that, like at that point, it was done. It was done. He was not. He was not losing that golf tournament from that point on. Um, his, I thought honestly the the biggest surprise was his putter held up. Like he made a ton of putts yeah. on Sunday. He's been struggling with them, you know. Yeah, he's been fiddling with grips with different putters, and he's struggled on the short ones a little bit this year. So, I mean, to see him just be absolute nails is like well. This guy has two majors, and Wolf has none, and Hovland has none. Oh, he's and that's far and away the best player out of that yeah. group. Do you think that the the putting struggles are more a result of like not handling the pressure well, or it's just like he's has a deficiency in his ability to hit short putts? Like he's just I technically he just not might... as good as he should be, or he wasn't. Previously. I think he's just maybe a little streaky, and when like when he feels good about it, and he's got his stroke together that week, then he's good. And I don't think he's bad under the pressure. And so like I think it's just kind of one of those things with putting is a little quirky. Sometimes you're just seeing the lines, or you're feeling good over it, and sometimes you're not. And I think it's that's kind of the case with him, where some weeks he's just not going to putt well, and some weeks he is going to putt well. Yeah. But. No, I 100% agree. That's that's what this week showed me more than anything is that his struggles with with putting are not a result of him being able to handle not handle pressure. Right. It's he's just the fact of the matter is he's a streaky putter and when he gets hot, he's going to make them. Like yeah. he feels confident and when he's when he's off, like those are the weeks he finishes twentieth because his ball striking is good every single week. Yeah. So that that was what it came down to, to me. Like obviously he handled the pressure well. It, it was actually surprising to me how well he handled it. I agree. Um, couple of questions. Louis. I was gonna. I got a couple more cow questions. Okay. And then, we'll, then we'll go to. Then we'll do Louie and we'll do Speed. Uh, more cow over under. For career majors what's the line i don't know you said it what do you like i'm gonna give you what i think um i would say here's what i would say rom is gonna win more than morikawa that's what i i, I think too but i think rom could win seven majors yeah, I think I or think a six, fair maybe. I think a fair over under for Rom is five and a half. And that might be a little generous. Five and a half. Yeah. He's at one right now. I think Morikawa could win two more. I think four would be a good career for Morikawa. Four majors. Yeah, I think I think four and a half, four is a like that's a four or five. Fair over yeah. under for him. Four or five. If he won five majors. I mean, you can't you can't say anything. Like five majors puts you in a special category. Yeah, you're like a you're borderline a top ten player of all time. 
yeah. if you win five majors. And the, the the thing is, it's like it's so easy at this point to get tied up in this guy's going to win so many more majors. Oh, well, we do it every week with bias. everyone who wins. Yeah, But, the, like, think about it. There's not that many majors to go around. And think about how many surprises there are. Like, we had Hideki this, this year out of nowhere. He hadn't been playing great golf and comes out and wins the Masters. Like, there's surprises all the time. And then you got... You know, Bryson's going to get his fair share, and JT's going to get his fair share, and DJ and Brooks. Well, DJ's done, but yeah, and Brooks is done too. And Rom and Xander and Cantlay. It's like there's not enough to go around. Yeah. So it's easy to say this guy's going to get like five or six majors. And, you know, me saying Rom's going to get six majors or five majors is probably too high, but the way he's playing right now, I just feel like he is almost unstoppable. It's easy to say that that a guy's gonna win a lot of majors. Yeah, and it's just so hard to do. Like, look at Spieth. We thought Spieth would have ended up with yeah seven or eight, totally, maybe even you know like four or five majors at this point in his career, and he still has three. So, I don't know. Uh, over under Morikawa for PGA Tour wins. What does he have right now? I think he's at five. I would say Morikawa, let's say he gets two more majors to seven, and he gets seven more wins. Wow. I mean, he's only been a pro for two years, and he's 24. I'm going to say I'm gonna say 21 and a half I don't know, as an over-under for Morikawa. I mean, so you think he's going to have a better career than DJ? No. I mean, the DJ is twenty six wins, I think, but only two majors. Yeah, so twenty one and four majors is better career. Okay, yeah. If, if we're talking like he adds majors, yeah, sure, he'll have a better career. I mean, I don't, I don't think he'll get more wins than DJ. No, he won't. Because DJ is not as win explosive. DJ is gonna win more. Like, for well, the DJ's rest of not his gonna career. win more. Like, he's gonna win. He's gonna win thirty plus times. DJ's not gonna win again. But that's ridiculous. Morikawa will also not win that. I mean, Morikawa could win seven to ten more times, but that would be pushing it, dude. He's got five already. He's that been would a be pro for it. two years. I, I and I don't think his game is going to age poorly, right? I, great iron players seem to last yeah. forever. Look at Tiger. Tiger won I in his mid forties. But it's Phil just is a great not, iron player. He he's won at fifty one. He's not the guy. He's not the guy. I think he is the guy. He's like, not the guy. He is that guy. I think he, he could is beat that Thor guy. Bjornsson. <laughs> <laughs> I think he is that guy. Like he's a stone cold killer. He might be. He might be the guy. No. Like you know who's the guy? Is John Rom. It's going to be so much fun it's to the watch guy. these guys duel it out. Because I think they both have, like, that guy qualities. They're both killers. Like, they go out and they steal golf tournaments. That's what Morikawa did this yeah. week. John Rahm did it at the U.S. Open. <clears throat> yeah. I think they're going to have an unbelievable rivalry. And they're about the same age. They're 26 and 24. So Which, talking about the guy, where's JT been in majors? JT's been invisible invisible like this is a guy that he was the we were saying was a lock to win the masters yeah i really thought he was after that players and he hasn't shown a thing 
I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I mean, it for him, right? It, it's so dependent on the iron play. He's such a great iron player. He's basically the second best iron player on tour behind Morikawa. I don't know if they're. I don't know if they're there. It doesn't seem like the ball striking is quite there. And then the putter's always been shaky for him. So I don't know how. I I don't know if he's he's putting great either right now. Um, do you like Morikawa? That I was thinking about this like the last. Here's the thing, like so. Morikawa and Rom a little bit, but more so Morikawa. Like you can't hate the guy. Yeah. Rom, I can see how he's a little hateable. He's, you know, early in his career is a hothead, whatever. I don't think there's but, anyone that really hates either of them. I think they're no, pretty similar. They're, yeah. I, I think they're actually amazingly similar. I think at this point, they're pretty similar. not hateable. And they're but, not super lovable. Like, I don't know anyone just, that's a diehard. Here's the, like, Morikawa just fan. doesn't have that thing to him that makes him so attractable like i i want to go watch this guy yeah you don't have that like if i go to a pga tour event right now or you know tomorrow he's not the guy i'm gonna run to see he's what, just not the guy i'm gonna what run to makes see. the guy like what i don't know but it's intangible? like because i think tiger I is, is the biggest example of that like you could know nothing about golf and you could watch him on the range or on the course, and you're like, I want to watch that guy. Because he had it. Yeah. Like, he had that excitement about him. And, like, there are a couple other players, too, like Phil and whatever. And Spieth has that. Like, Spieth has that, too. Spieth is definition that guy. Like, like he's he the guy. the guy. And it's like, I want to watch that guy. Or, like, I'm rooting for that guy. Yeah. They're so – those guys are so easy to root for. For a reason. I think with Spieth, what makes him so easy to root for with Phil, and I don't know about Tiger. I think Tiger's more like he's just so unbelievably great that you have no choice but to root for him because you're witnessing history. But that was a slight at Tiger. No, it's it it's not. That was I mean, an insane. What does Tiger do in his personal that was life? Tiger makes, slander. What what does Tiger do in his personal he's life? He's had the most exciting personal life of any golfer in the history of golf yeah he has but it hasn't always been to make you like him but it's been it's it's interesting it's been it's made his name more it's made him more interesting yeah it's made him more interesting but the thing with tiger is not everyone loves tiger because of his his history i think most people do most golf fans do but not everyone loves tiger but he moves the needle Partially yeah. because of like his interesting personal life. It's not it's I mean, not been smooth yeah. sailing. Also he's the GOAT, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. But yeah. Okay, no, but I agree with, you. with Speed with Speed, I think the case is and same with Phil, is they're really they're really human, right? Like Speed, he's so human, he talks to his golf ball, he's extremely erratic on the golf course. You never know what you're gonna get from him. Right, he's unpredictable, and I think okay, but 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 DJ's that guy. You go and want to watch DJ, but he's straight and he's boring. He doesn't say anything exciting. No, DJ is a physical marvel, which is what I think why people are attracted to watching DJ. 
Speed does nothing physically impressive, right? He's not super long. He doesn't hit the ball overly high. He, no, he's not I an know. amazing ball striker. But I'm all saying, the time. what makes a player interesting to watch or fascinating to watch? It's or how, makes you root it's, for him? It's how erratic he is and how you never know what you're going to get on the golf course. No, but I'm saying in general, like the characteristics differ player to player. Sure, but I think the easiest way to make a player interesting is by being erratic, right? Phil is the same way as Speed. He's yeah, a, but Phil's got the flair. He's to him. All, yeah, he totally does. But that's why Phil is maybe the most popular player unanimously on the PGA Tour in the last thirty years because he has both. Yeah, he's got wow. the flair and he's got the unpredictability. He pulls off the miracle shots. He's a great recovery player. He's flashy. No, you, I I agree with you. And looking at the top players in the world right now, there are so many boring players. There like, really are. Morikawa and, and Hold on. I don't want to throw... Like, I'm not throwing shade at these guys. I like these guys. Like, they're really... Like, Morikawa seems like a it's great It's almost like guy. they can't do anything about it. Like, they they're totally almost like can't. better people for being born. Yeah, like, he's a class act. Same just, with John Rahm. Total class act. They're just act. really, they're just like solid citizens. But I'm going to root like, for Speed over Morikawa and John Rahm any day because right. there's more. I mean, there's more. Xander there. Shoffley's a perfect example. Yeah, Xander's another great example. You, there's no, who is like a diehard Xander fan? We give it all the time, Justin Rose. We don't know any diehard Justin Rose right. fans. Patrick Cantley is a similar way. Similar. Very you similar. know? You have these guys. There's guys like polarizing Brooks. I mean, you don't Bryson. know anyone that's indifferent on Brooks, do you? Or Bryson. There's no one that's like, ah, you know, Bryson's whatever. He's a, he's a throwaway. It's either you love him or you don't. It's insane. I don't want to get too bogged down in golf personalities when... We just had someone like completely change history here by winning two majors in their first eight starts. But yeah, I, I just think there's there's an it factor with Colin Morikawa on the golf course. Like he he's a killer, but I don't think the it factor is there in terms of public like big sex appeal. You know? Yeah, he's not moving the needle as much. No. Okay, should we talk? Should we talk some Louis? A little bit, yeah. We'll talk a little Louis. I mean, he's ninth in the world. He's competed in every Dude, major this year. Sneaky ninth in the world now. And Harris English at number yeah. 10. That's crazy. Yeah. They've played some great golf, but yeah. What I mean, what are you going to do? What's the take on Louis? I mean, he's runner up, or he didn't finish runner up this week, but whatever. T3, right? Yeah. So, you know, top three. Was he? Oh no, he didn't play that great at the Masters. No, I think he. So the, yeah, it was, like, it was, it was just like the T20 maybe. I the... mean, the last three majors, top three. What are you gonna do? Six runner-ups in majors. I mean, he just doesn't win them. Is it? I, is, I, it I, is it a pressure thing? Like I don't know. he's not handling pressure, know. or is it like it seems he like just happens t- to play a bad final round? I think it or is. Or gets stolen from him. I think it is pressure on himself. I don't think it's external pressure. Yeah. I think he just really wants to win now more than he did before. Like before he was kind of a happy-go-lucky farmer. Like he won the open by 8 
at St. Andrews really early on. And he was kind of just riding the momentum. He was like this guy who's just has a great swing, has fun out there, never too serious, and goes out and has good events. But the last maybe two years, it's been like, okay, this guy's got some insane talent, and now he's starting to putt well. And it's like he should win majors. And then when it's like he should win majors, he puts pressure on himself to like actually win. And, I mean, he hasn't won on U.S. soil. So, that's like a disappointment. The fact that he's the ninth ranked player in the world and he hasn't won on U.S. soil. And he hasn't won a PGA Tour event since the Open. He's won one event. One PGA Tour event. And it was the Open in 2010. It's unbelievable. He hasn't won a tournament in the last decade and he's the ninth player in the world. That's an OWGR thing. I mean, I think they... They weigh specific. Uh, they weigh majors too heavily, and like, I mean, real realistically, is Louis gonna come out and perform every week on the PGA Tour? I don't think so. Like, he's not gonna be up there. No, he doesn't. He hasn't shown it. He doesn't do that. He's a major guy. Like, he just shows up in the majors. The thing with Louis, I think I totally agree with you. I think it's personal pressure. I think he wants to prove it to himself that he can do it again. Like, not winning a major or really not winning anything for 10, 11 years. Like, he already got the monkey off his back by winning. But having that long in-between wins makes you second-guess yourself and your ability to win. I think at this point, Louis thinks of his major in 2010. Like, that was so long ago. I need to do it again. I need to prove to myself that I can do it again. Right. It's almost like a different career. It's exactly. It's almost like a different career. He wants to prove to himself that he still has the ability to do it. Yeah. And that's and he's where he's way I think better than he was out. 10 years ago. Oh, totally. He's way more consistent. And that's what bothers him, I think. I mean, he's one of the, he's been the best putter on tour, basically. The thing that sucks for him this year is he had an unbelievable year, like the best year of his career, right? And no one's going to remember it. No one's going to remember that Louis finished second in the U.S. Open, the PGA, and almost won the British Open. And it was it was like truly a crazy good stretch of golf that's just going to go unrecorded. Yeah. Pretty much. So people only remember winners. That's but really what it comes down to. People still love the guy. And I mean... <sighs> I think he... No. I'm not going to say that. Do you think he wins a major? No. I don't. I think this was... Azinger said it on the first tee t- uh, on Sunday that this oh. is going to be Louis's last great By the way, chance to win Azinger has some freezing cold takes. Yeah, he's he freeze outs a lot. Yeah. He's insanely cold on his takes. I think he sucks. But I hate Borderline. him. Yeah. I don't he, like I think him. he's horrible. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, he came out and said that this is his this last. This is chance. his last great chance. I don't even know how old Louis is. I think he's like thirty-seven or thirty. Seems like he's just timeless, though. Yeah, he's he's not gonna go away anytime soon. Like he's not just gonna lose his game because he all of a sudden finished second twice and almost won uh, this last major. He's not fading. 
Is he going to have this amazing run again? Probably not. His best chance was at Tory. It was. It was. It, I mean, yeah, he had to go out and he had to play 18 holes of good golf to beat Morikawa. Yeah. At Tory, it was in his grasp. Like, he just... Also at Kiowa, 17. it was right. He missed a ton of putts yeah. coming down the stretch. Yeah, so I don't know. He'll he'll have other chances, like other times he'll be in contention. I just don't think he capitalizes because he put himself in position so many times this year and he didn't capitalize. So there's nothing that makes me think if he puts himself in position like one more time that he's going to do. Yeah. So tough end of the career for Louis. That's an insane thing to say. Brooks with a T6. Brooks, I mean, there's nothing to say about Brooks. He's had and an there's... unbelievable year in majors but didn't win. Is this a bad year for Brooks because he... he didn't win a major? Even though he had so many good results? Yes, because of Kiowa. Yeah. Kiowa. That was like, in his control. That was the most. Sunday at Kiowa was the most influential day in Kepka's career almost. Because that's almost a ridiculous was... statement. <laughs> I put the almost on the end of it though, so you can't. So it. what was? Yeah, I'm not gonna make you go into like what was the most influential. Yeah. The most influential was Sunday at Aaron Hills to back up his U.S. Open win. No, that was oh, his that was first his first one. U.S. Open win. Yeah, yeah. But I gotta say, I mean, him not winning that was like okay, he's not back. Yeah, I mean, he's had. It's not like he's. Playing he hasn't gone off the radar. Rounds and but getting, you know, doing just... what Rory does, like getting out of contention and then backdooring. He kind of did that this week, but it, it's like he's having problems closing. Like he's not closing yeah. very well. With and it's he did with that just Tory. with how he did much that shit he talks. Yeah, he's like, putting more pressure on himself. He, he's almost becoming a meme himself. For memeing Is other people. Is he more memeable than Bryson now? <laughs> Bryson's the most memeable, maybe, athlete of all time. I think he is. I think we needed. Remember when we did Chili the Dip moat. Awards? I think. Remember when we did, we did Chili Dip yeah. Awards? Like, we had some outrageous ones. We need to do, like, Bryson meme the, of the, the year. The moat. The Bryson, yeah, meme. Memeiest of all time. <laughs> Bryson's actually the moat. Can we declare him the moat already? He's only like 26. Like, <laughs> Dude, he's, he's already so by gotten far off to away such the an insane start in his career. Who else do you think is more memeable? Like, like who are so, some all-time memers? Tigers is up there just because there's just so many. Yeah, there's so much stuff. His life is so public. Yeah. Jack is sneaky memeable with He's all the stuff. Is like he, he does as an old guy. Like yeah, some stuff. Like I don't know. He's just like a cringy old. Phil guy obviously. Memeable. Phil's pretty memeable. Trying to like who are some of the John Daly obviously memeable. Yeah, super memeable. Yeah, I mean he's right up there. He's totally right up there. And I think another. Good couple years of memeing, like another good three, four years, he's safely secured it. Oh, easily. Because he's going deeper and deeper. Yeah, he's deep in the trenches now. I mean, 
have you lost a little respect for Bryson? I yeah, mean, we're yeah. big Bryson guys, but it's almost like, dude, like you're making me really. It's hard. It's hard to, hard like, to you. like you. Like I want to like you, but it's now really hard. The point that like I've you. come to is that I don't like Bryson as a human being, but I like him as a player. Like I love watching Bryson play golf. And I'll root for him to be in contention because I want to watch him play golf more and more. But I don't, I just think he's too much of an asshole to his team now that we've seen that. Like with the whole, the whole driver thing this week, we didn't even talk about yet, was outrageous. Like, dude, you are playing the most forgiving equipment of all time at this point in your career. Equipment has never been You're more saying in forgiving. the timeline of golf history. In golf history, yeah. this is the most yeah. forgiving equipment. And you're complaining about mishits. And you're complaining about your mishits not going straight enough? That's a joke. You're swinging literally a 2x4. Like, it's a 5-degree driver with no loft at, two, like, 200-mile-an-hour ball speeds. And if you are not hitting it in the center of the face, you can't expect to hit it straight. So that's not his. That's not Cobra's problem. Bryson has to figure that out. If he, imagine if he was playing a hickory, like oh, or yeah. uh, even a steel shafted like nineteen ninety driver, yeah, or like a big Bertha, like from when Tiger's early days in his career. He there's no way he'd be able to hit that. There's no way if he's yeah. complaining about this driver. Yeah. So I don't. know. That really rubbed me the wrong way, and the whole thing with the caddy. It just seems like he treats his team like shit, and they're all turning on him. Like, yeah. they all hate him now. It's obvious. Yeah. So, there's no more Team Bryson. Yeah, but he's still one of the best things to happen to golf. Totally. Needle mover. And we're still waiting for Bryson versus Brooks. But... Yeah, we need the UFC match. I mean, talk about dark is Rory absolutely free-falling in the world golf rankings yeah what is he at i think 15 oh my which is darkness insane <laughs> that rory's 15 i mean it's it makes sense dude he's only the only thing he's done well is he had that fluky won, win at quail hollow dude you can't call it a fluky win he called it a fluky win basically no he didn't he didn't he didn't say it but like when he when that's people just talked what about happened it, on 18 but the week no, no, wasn't no, no, no. fluky no the week was fluky he when he was asked about it he said that yeah you know it's a golf course i'm really comfortable on i'm really familiar with that doesn't make it fluky but when he talks about his game the state of his game around that golf tournament and after that golf tournament it doesn't seem like he has a lot of confidence. Like it doesn't seem like he's confident where his swing is, how he's hitting the ball, how he's putting it. Like it just, there's no confidence there. There's no Rory like swagger. Yeah. It's really dark for Rory fans. I don't days. know how you can say that. Like he's confident in his game. He's I know I didn't say sure. that, but it wasn't a fluky win. It was fluky. He hasn't done <laughs> anything post he didn't do anything before that still, or anything after that that makes it seem like that was a deserved win. I'm still riding his momentum from before COVID when he top five like eight weeks in a row. COVID fucked him. 
it, like there's a lot of guys like Daniel Berger came out of COVID and that was the best thing that could have happened to Daniel Berger. Like he started playing insane after COVID. COVID fucked Rory. He he probably got the worst. He probably had the starkest difference from how he was playing before COVID to how he's playing after COVID. It's dark for Rory. It's just dark. I don't know. I, there's nothing else to say. Is he we'll going to win a major? Saying, no, no, he's not winning a major anytime soon. I don't think. Is Do Brooks so? going to win a major? Yeah, I think Brooks will win a major. Is JT going to win a major again for the rest of his career? Yeah, yeah. Is Xander going to win a major? Yeah. Is Hideki going to win a major? No. Is DJ going to win a major? Yes. Is Hovland going to win a major? Yes. Is Wolf going to win a major? No. I think Wolf might. I think honestly, there's a 50 50 chance Wolf never tees it up ever again. No. I think he's contemplating walking away from the game. You think he's that down bad? Yeah. I think he's really down bad. It sucks, too, because he's good for the game. Um, DJ, sneaky T8. I mean, he's no, DJ's no, no DJ's form. Done. He's DJ's shown no done. form. He had, I think he had DJ's one not winning a garbage round, and he still finishes T8. He's actually not winning another major. He is, dude. He is. He no, totally is. He's not winning another he major. He totally is. He might not even win again, dude. He's actually done. That's so outrageous. No, to he's say. done. Do you For know what how reason? I know? Why? Why? Personal life. Paulina. Done. You you have so much weight in the Paulina yeah. thing. Done. It's over for him mentally. He's destroyed. Do we know what's going on for sure with the the whole Paulina no. thing? But he has no mojo. I mean, he finished T eight with the Paulina thing. I think going the on. only way DJ wins again is if he starts dating some other chick, <laughs> which would be a savage move. <laughs> That's it. Okay, I mean, we'll see. We'll see if he does. That would be insanely sick if he just started dating another chick and just rattled off like five minutes. And then it would, it would be a good take. <laughs> yeah, that would be an insane take. Um, Tony Friesau showing a little bit of form. T15. Uh, I guess, okay, yeah. I mean, I mean, now we're just too. we're going down the leaderboard. Uh, I, I did <laughs> want to bring up this guy, Marcel Seam. Speaking of <laughs> memes this joke. week. Speaking of memes. He was great out there. He was, he was awesome. Clowning. Loved him. This guy totally clowned. Um, just crazy long hair, right? And he's got the man bun going. Uh, he looks like he's like 45 years old. I don't know how old he actually is, but this guy has seen some shit. Yeah, he's, he, just... he's like grinding it out on the challenge tour and he somehow got in the British Open. I have no idea how he yeah, got here. Just like, probably, did anyone ever explain that? Probably just no wrote, his, wrote his name down and walked in. <laughs> yeah. Walked through the gates. Yeah, like, oh yeah, Marcel seen from yeah. the <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, he probably he probably qualified through like the local British Open qualifying, but sick week for him. I think he came home with like a hundred and forty five thousand dollars, which is insane for a guy that insane. said he was like living paycheck to paycheck on the challenge tour. Like this is gonna fund like four or five years of his golf career, basically. Uh, he made birdie on eighteen, which probably made him like fifty grand, which is sick because that's like more money than he plays for in an entire year. Yeah. So clutch by him. Insane. Really insane. Yeah, other than that, I don't think there are many stories. Like, my guy Cantlay, I picked 
this week to win. Missed the cut. Oh, Bazoidan who? Dude. Xander, three under. I don't know what Bazoidenhout ended up. He shot oh, two under day he's one. He's at uh, T53 plus one. It's not a bad finish for Mr. Rat Poison. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the rat. Hey, the rat told finishes me, with a solid week. You I mean, told me this guy's going to drink rat poison at two years old and t- T53 at the open 2021. Oh, yeah. You. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's a Cinderella story. <laughs> it's a Cinderella story. Oh, uh, just last thing in the leaderboard, Kiz played a two-and-a-half-hour round on Sunday and shot two under. That's like an ode to Kevin Na. Remember when Kevin Na yeah. did that? He played like, like an hour, hour and 50-minute yeah. round. And it was so ironic, too, because it was right after he got over the ball-striking yips and yeah. had the slow play incidents. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he just goes out and plays the fastest round in VGA Tour history. That was sick. So, yeah, great week. I wish it was at a better venue, personally. Like, kind of a dud to come back to a golf course that no one really knows and didn't have a ton of character. But, I mean, a British Open's fun no matter where it is. There it is. There it is. It's the British Open, by the way. Not the Open. It's the British. Have a good week. There was a big argument about that. British. British. See ya.